Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast was recorded and scheduled before coronavirus. Stay tuned for future coronavirus podcasts. Stay well. So here is our question. How can I make sure that when I go shopping with my teenager, it is a pleasant experience? How can I avoid all the arguments, all the fighting? How can I make sure that we buy the right things and that I don't walk away feeling that I compromised on my values when I went shopping with a teenager? And here is the answer. The combination of reduced self-esteem and elevated peer pressure that develops during adolescence has a significant effect on the teen's shopping habits, their consumer behavior, their taste, and their style. In this discussion, we're going to talk about teenage shopping behaviors and their correlation with self-esteem and peer pressure. Believe it or not, children learn the three R's in school, reading, writing, arithmetic, but really there's a fourth R, and that fourth R is known as ridicule which impacts the teen's consumer behavior. Ridicule is the act of laughing at, scorning, making fun, fashaming, or making a child feel excluded because of the styles of clothing that they wear, or what they like, or what they should be wearing, or what they shouldn't be wearing in order to be included. So when teens are scorned because of their choices of style, their feelings of belonging become threatened. And they are subsequently pressured into changing their consumer behavior in order to be reaccepted into the in-group. Bear in mind that your teenager's taste is very possibly either a product of teasing that was directed at him or her, or teasing that he or she witnessed, which led to the exclusion of others by peers. Therefore... Shopping with a teen can be a delicate and emotional experience and must be handled sensitively and diplomatically. Here is a list of important guidelines when shopping with your teenager. One, before going shopping with your teen, the two of you must agree on the we both have to like it rule. This means that if either one of you doesn't care for the item under discussion, then that item is not purchased. Be sure to keep your end of the bargain and avoid attempting to convince your teen to purchase an outfit against his or her will, regardless of how suitable you think it is. By the same token, do not allow your teen to persuade you into buying an item against your better judgment. Two, set aside enough opportunities for shopping trips and be sure that each shopping excursion is relaxed and unhurried. Remember that shopping with you is a learning opportunity for your adolescent because he or she will absorb your taste and values simply by observing your shopping habits. Three, make sure to include a pleasant snack, a light meal, maybe coffee or ice cream in the schedule of the shopping day. Use that time to connect with your teen and enjoy his or her company. Remember that teens will perform better if they are well-fed, 
and feel cared for during the shopping expedition. Four, avoid sarcasm and judgment if your teen's choices are unsuitable. There is no need to attack your teen just because he or she has made an inappropriate choice. If your teen picks an item and you don't care for it, simply say, I prefer quieter colors, simpler patterns, more toned down styles, rather than judging the teen. How could you pick that? What were you thinking? Five, remember that it is perfectly normal for your teenager to be overly critical of her appearance and reject what you consider to be beautiful options because of minor details such as it doesn't fit right, it makes me look fat, or I don't like the button in the back. Therefore, expect that shopping will take longer than expected and that your teen will experience difficulty making decisions. Six, keep both your positive and negative opinions to a minimum. Remember that even your approval of an outfit may not be welcomed by your teen because you are, after all, outdated, outmoded, and over the hill. Seven, do not become insulted if your teen requests or requires her friend's opinion about a store, a style, or a particular outfit. It is perfectly acceptable for your teen to gather information from members of her peer group, as long as the we-both-have-to-like-it rule remains in effect. Eight, do not become sidetracked by the fact that your teen is not expressing sufficient appreciation for the time, energy, and money that you are expending in order to outfit him or her. Understand that your teen probably does appreciate what you do, but may not be able to express gratitude because the shopping experience is so stressful. Over time, as your teen matures, Gratitude and appreciation will be offered. If appreciation is never offered, you may address Hakara Satov with a separate discussion. Shopping with teens can often be a time-consuming and frustrating experience that for them is fraught with reduction of self-esteem, the subtle presence of peer pressure, a sense of frustration, and the agony of indecision. As the shopping expedition progresses, parents often become increasingly agitated because their teens' fussy and indecisive shopping behaviors become tiresome and inconvenient. It is important to stay above these difficulties. Try to remember the normal developmental challenges that are impeding your teen's ability to shop appropriately and logically. I remember a particular shopping trip to Woodbury Commons outlets that I took with one of my daughters. During the 90-minute ride on the way there, my daughter and I discussed the items that she needed. A winter jacket, a pair of boots, and possibly some weekday clothing. I was hoping that a day at Woodbury Commons would yield these items. Roaming through the outdoor malls, we entered various stores that appeared promising and began browsing through some of the racks. My daughter was unable to find anything suitable. I picked a few items that I liked, but the teen veto process was quick and definite. About six stores later, my daughter began showing signs of frustration. They don't have anything normal in these places, she declared emphatically. I encouraged her and myself to forge on, 
hoping to hit on the proverbial needle in this haystack of stores. At one point, as I followed my daughter into yet another store, I was surprised when she did an immediate about face. Nah, there's nothing in this store, she said. Really, I asked, how can you tell? I just know, was the response. <clears throat> From that point on, we visited each store for about 10 seconds. My daughter stood at the store's entrance, surveyed the scene, and made an instant U-turn. Nothing here, she said several times. I decided to remain silent because I saw that her frustration level could not be tampered with. I told myself the day was probably over and that it appeared highly unlikely that we would acquire any purchases under these conditions. Somehow, regardless of my aching head and my swollen feet, I managed to tell myself that this day was not about me and that the earth was going to continue to rotate on its axis even if we returned home empty-handed. I continued to resignedly trudge along with my daughter until suddenly we happened on a store that was apparently different to this day, I don't know why. For some reason, my daughter, with her exhausted mother in tow, entered the store, surveyed the scene, and suddenly pointed to a rack in the far right-hand corner. There, she almost shouted, there's my coat. Sure enough, she had found it. It was perfect in every way. About 10 minutes later, she sighted a perfect pair of boots, two perfect tops, and a perfect scarf. On our drive home, after she and I had been restored with a drink and a snack, and was happily reviewing her purchases, I tentatively asked her to explain her vision and how she had been able to know when the right item presented itself. I don't know, Ma, she said. I had a picture in my mind of what I wanted, and suddenly there it was. Slowly, I realized that my daughter had been shopping with a very specific agenda. She had wanted each item to be a particular style and color, and she was not going to settle for anything other than what she had her mind set on. It was then that I realized what shopping with a teenager is all about. Teenagers already have a picture of the, what they want in their minds, and the goal of shopping is to find that picture-perfect item. Nothing else is even worth looking at. My daughter was not in the stores just to browse through the items and see what could work. She was there to find the specific items that in her mind translated into socially accepted apparel, portraying her as she wanted to be portrayed by her peers. Anything short of that was not even worth considering. Now let's talk about the Nisayun of Tznius, where peer pressure and self-esteem meet. Have you ever wondered why people who would never dream of eating a burger with cheese, chas v'shalom, or eating chametz on Pesach, may nevertheless struggle valiantly with keeping their knees covered and their clothes sufficiently loose? Why is it that the Yetzirah seems to be so powerful when it comes to Tzniyas, even though he can't even get to first base, let's say, when it comes to eating treif or chametz on Pesach? Well, let's talk about why. The halachas of Tzniyas are both daraisa and Rabbanan, with numerous sources in Gemara, Shulchan Aruch, Rishonim, Machronim, and Chazal. And on top of that, the halachas of Tznius are publicized worldwide by various organizations through books and programs, and yet, Klal Yisrael's struggle with Tznius is one of the most challenging manifestations of our lack of self-esteem. 
combined with the impact of elevated peer pressure, this struggle affects women of all ages, including teenage girls. In order to understand the particular challenges that the mitzvah of Tznias presents to some women, we must gain a better understanding of the link between physical appearance and self-esteem. Once we understand this connection, we will be better equipped to understand how the Yetzirah works by using our own self-esteem against us, turning us into virtual slaves to the environment, which unfortunately does not always present with the most theistic style of dress. So here's the talk about appearance and self-esteem. If there is one factor that most significantly affects the way we feel about ourselves, it is our appearance. As women, Hashem placed us with the desire to look good, and even though we have all been taught about Sheker Achein Vehevel Ayofi, it is still natural for all of us to check the mirror, mirror maybe several times before leaving the house just to make sure our appearance is satisfactory. So now let me ask you, let's analyze it further. Who defines what looking good means? The catch is that everyone has their own opinion of what looking good means. To some, anything short of a shaitel and a full face of makeup is not good enough, while others, a simple outfit and a head covering is just fine. In both cases, women feel comfortable as long as their view of looking good was fulfilled. Why then do different women have different perceptions of what looking good means? You know why? Because it's the person's individual self-esteem that sets the barometer. The barometer reading that determines the varied perception of what looking good means among women is reflected by their varied levels of self-esteem. A woman who has a healthy and positive self-esteem sets her barometer based on her own personal values and standards. She feels comfortable with that setting no matter what other people around her are doing. A person with poor self-esteem subconsciously sets her barometer according to the actions of those around her because she is unable to feel good about herself unless she believes that the people around her approve of her too. Nebuch. So the struggle of Tznias, when other people's barometers are set to a lower standard than our own, is as follows. A woman with poor self-esteem who is surrounded by people who dress according to halacha, will Taka have little or no struggle keeping the halachas of Tzniyas because she's doing what everybody else around her does. However, a woman with poor self-esteem, who is surrounded by people and an entire culture who do not conform to the halachas of Tzniyas, that woman will have a very hard time dressing appropriately in the face of those who perceive her as a nerd or outdated. This is where the Sahara slides in and exerts his influence. He says things like, imagine what so-and-so would say if you cut your shaitel to the appropriate length. You would never be able to face her with such a nerdy look. You would be the laughingstock for weeks. Don't bother cutting it. Just keep your shaitel the way it is and move the hair to the back. This is really what the Rabbanim are saying anyway. Just that it shouldn't be long and flowing in the front, but in the back, who cares? 
Now that's not true. And this fabricated validation from the Rabbanim, instigated by the Yetzirah, coupled with the concern that someone with poor self-esteem feels that she will be viewed as outdated, leaves her nearly helpless, Nebuch, in the face of the Yetzirah's onslaught. The Yetzirah will have won another battle through the simple method of capitalizing on the woman's poor sense of self, causing her to be over on halachotznius. Sadly, although this woman has temporarily elevated her self-esteem in this episode, it will fall again because her conscience is undoubtedly bothering her because she knows she has fallen victim to this Yetzirah. So she fell, did something she shouldn't have done, wore something she shouldn't have worn, and temporarily picked up her self-esteem, but deep down inside, she has a Bini Yisera. She knows she fell, so the self-esteem drops again. And it will not be long before the Eight Sahara capitalizes on this drop in self-esteem and talks her into succumbing to another temptation yet again. And so the cycle continues. So how do we reverse this cycle? If the Eight Sahara's tool to get us to stumble when it comes to Tznias is poor self-esteem, then we must fight him by strengthening our self-esteem. We must remind ourselves continually that our self-worth comes from the above, comes from the Rabbani Shalalem, and that nobody can say anything or do anything to change that. We must also take the first giant leap by taking one step to improve our Tznias. The success that is experienced from that first giant leap is in itself a process that elevates self-esteem. This initial rise in self-esteem is the catalyst that provides effective ammunition that will enable us to fight subsequent repeated attempts that the Yetzirah undoubtedly will continue to make to get us to fail. And then there are times when we just feel stuck. There are times where in spite of a positive self-esteem and despite adequate feelings of self-worth, some women may still feel the inordinately heavy demands of societal pressure to dress according to reduced standards of sneas. If this occurs, it's important to consult with a mentor, to get involved with organizations, to go to support groups who can provide the necessary emotional and ruchniestika to support to help that woman become the woman that she truly, deep down inside, wants to be. And the most important part of all of this is that this is how we become the appropriate role models for our teenagers. Because let us not forget that adolescence is the period during which the lowest feelings of self-worth and self-esteem rule. That is why the Tnia struggle is particularly challenging during this developmental stage. So understanding your teen's struggles in this area and how they are linked to social pressure will go a long way toward helping you be mechalech your teen in a calmer, more rational way. Remember, though, that when you model proper clothing choices for yourself and overcome the challenge of tznias, you are using the most effective tool, that's role modeling, to help teens overcome their own personal tznias peer pressure struggles. Thanks for listening to my podcast. 
My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchenoch.com or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the Earth will continue rotating on its axis.